It's so good to be back. Come, come, bring the house lights up for a minute. Bring the house lights up. I just got to see you. I missed you so much last week. It's just good to see your faces. We don't normally do this. I don't have time to say hi to everybody, but I just want to say, oh my goodness, it's like, it is just really good to be home. And Rachel and I love you. We're so happy to see you. If you're a guest with us and this is your brand new first time here, I want you to know that we don't throw this party for ourselves every week. We do it for you. We're so glad that you're here. We hope you realize that we are not a group of perfect people. I know sometimes people walk in and listen, we're a happy church, like unashamedly. We don't walk in and be like, man, you know, life is terrible. It's okay that we do have those conversations and we get real, but we do come together to celebrate our God. So there's usually a smile on our face when you walk in. And sometimes I'll hear it from people. They'll say, you know, I just was leading next step, step one. And I'll often hear, I'll say, how did you get connected to the church? And they're like, well, I came in on my first week and I thought everybody was like incredibly fake because they were all smiling. I just want you to know, like, we are a church that believes in doing life in the party and the pain. And so you're going to see smiles, but there is space for your realness in this place. And we're glad you're here and we are not perfect, but we serve a God who is. We're so glad to have you with us. Take the house lights down. I'm scared now. There's a lot of people here. Um, I'm excited about this new series. Before we jump in, I want to do, I want to just, Pastor Troy just said something about coaching churches, and I want to, I want to let you know, bottom of our hearts, like every hug that we get to give to leaders, every word of encouragement, every word of help, I want you to know that it comes not from our hearts, but really from this collective heart of our church. One of the churches that we're getting to coach this year, um, coach uh, alongside, we have a, a co-leader that's been assigned to us. And so one of the ones that we're, we're involved in their church and helping to bring along, it's uh, Mercy City Church in Nebraska. They're celebrating their fifth birthday today. Come on, we got churches all over. Uh, all over Canada, North America, a rapidly growing church, a great church. And so you're just making a difference. And you will never know this side of heaven, the amount of difference that you make by your faith. Your faith is changing the atmosphere in this room. And because this room is changing, people are changing, lives are changing. And so thank, like, thank you. Thank you. And not just on bigger platforms like that. I want to celebrate the rooms where we are that no one even knows. Like this week at the homeless shelter, the Tri-Cities Cold and Wet Weather Mat Program, as we had teams showing up at 5 a.m. and teams there till 11 p.m. making breakfast, lunch, and dinner for those who find themselves either in a season of homelessness or really it's been a, a, a long journey of homelessness for them. And we get to make food as well as provide an indoor place to sleep. So come on, we get up for our teams this week that were, that were serving. Jesus said that you would never even give a cup of cold water away to someone in his name without heaven's eyes seeing it. So you just need to know if you're behind the scenes and it feels like no one's watching you or seeing what you're doing, God sees and we celebrate it. And uh, we, just love to, we just love to see what God, honestly, I love that I get to be a part of this. So thank you. What, what, what God is doing here is amazing. I want to jump into this message series on faith. And here's, here's where we're going. Here's the purpose of the series. The purpose of the series is to elevate our expectations. That's really what faith is. It's my expectation of, of who God is and what he wants to do in me. And I want to elevate your expectations. We are a church that believes in the impossible. We are a church that believe God, God still does miracles. That we believe for things we have not yet seen, but God has promised. Come on, somebody. That's who we are. And so here's what I want to see you be able to do in just a couple weeks at the end of this series. I hope that as we reach the end of this series, you would be able to say, I'm full of faith. That's my hope and my prayer for you throughout this series, that 
that faith would rise in, in your heart. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 11 today. We're going to walk through a story that is a journey of faith. And Pastor Rachel and I, we actually had that, that phrase in our vows. Unfortunately, uh, it's the only phrase from our vows that I remember right now. And I'm just reminded that I need to go look because I said this is what I was going to give her for life. And I no longer remember what I said I was going to give her life. So I'm going to go back now. <laughs> Because all I remember that I said was, I'm going to give you a journey of faith, and it has been that. And, and uh, we're going to read a story that is a journey of faith, and it's a story that has some good news, some bad news. And then we're going to start with the difficult stuff, that it's a journey of faith that stopped partway to where it should have got to. And I think we've all experienced that in our lives at some point. Here's, here's what the Bible tells us in Genesis 11. It says, Terah took Abram, his son. This Abram is the one who God would eventually change his name to Abraham. And so there's Terah and his son Abram and Lot, the son of uh, Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. That's a whole lot of people and places to remember. Let me break it down for you. We got grandpa, we got a son, got the son's wife, and we've got a nephew, and they're all on the journey together. It's family travel. And how many know family travel is not easy? Come on, you know family travel is not easy. This last... Last Saturday, uh, we got on a plane to Jacksonville, and we only had one of our kids with us, but even with one, Wylan, our one-year-old, um, family travel is not Rachel and I as our best selves. You just, like, I hope that you never have to see us on a plane, uh, because it's just, it's kind of us in, in a... I would describe us kind of like halfway to our best selves whenever we're traveling with our kids. They're both things that we love. We love traveling and we love our kids. But when you put those two things together, it's not, it's not us at our best. So there we are. We're on the plane. And with a one-year-old, all he wants to do, he's one years old. There's only one thing he wants to do. And it's not sit and look in my eyes. It's walk. The only thing he wants to do is walk. And then they slam up that fasten seatbelt sign. And they say, there's one thing that your son can't do at this point in time. And it is what? Walk. This is like, so this guy, he's just, he's upset about it. He doesn't like it. Come on, they put you at the back of the plane by the bathrooms because they know you got the one-year-old that you can't recline. Come on, it's not us at our best. We get off that plane and it's midnight and we're going to be preaching the next morning and the first service is at 8 a.m. So what my body will feel is 5 a.m. Pacific time. That's the first service. Uh, but it's midnight and we still have over an hour drive. So as you can see, we're, we're kind of light on time and we're already feeling a little physically tired from traveling with a one-year-old. Now I go get the car. Rachel goes to the baggage carousel. I finish, I finish at the rental car place and I make my way to the baggage carousel and I realize that there's only one person remaining at the bag carousel and it is Rachel. And... I think what this means is that we've got a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like if she's the only one left and she didn't come find me, then we've got a problem. Sure enough, that the one bag we had to check, which was Rachel's bag, is somewhere uh, in about Houston. And they said to us, you're not going to have your bags. And Rachel had nothing to wear the next morning to these services we're going to minister to, but a pair of Lululemon pants and a Resonate t-shirt. And I was like, it, it looks good, babe. I mean, if you wear... I've got this double XL hoodie that you can probably just slam on. No, everyone will think you meant to. And she, I wish I could show you the look she gave me. I don't have it in my repertoire of faces. It's, it's kind of like a woman-only look um, that has to... I wish you could see it. Um, family travel. It's tough. Now, there we were on Thursday. We're traveling. We're going somewhere with this, trust me. But this, I'm just needing to, this is like a bit of, I could go to pay a lot for counseling or we could do this. You know, one or the other. And so, 
um, Thursday we get on the plane to come home and there's this couple that's sitting next to us and they are engaged in the same sort of travel with kids issues that we had on the way there. Like they're not at their best selves. The wife asked the husband for a gummy bear and the husband, I'm not making this up in any way, he turns to her and he says, no more gummy bears until we're in the air. <laughs> not, not to his son, to his wife. I want you to imagine what would happen if you were to say to your spouse or to another grown adult on a crowded plane in a very loud voice, no more gummies till we're in the air. (laughs) Did you picture it? You got it. You nailed it. I'm telling you, whatever you just thought of, that level of anger we had in this relationship uh, that was next to us. Family travel is, is crazy. It's hard. Maybe this is the reason why we run into some problems in Genesis chapter 11, because the Bible is going to tell us that they're not going to make it to the place that they wanted to get to. I don't know if it was because of discouragement. I don't know if it was because of fear. I don't know if they had gummy bear issues and some sort of family fight. For whatever reason, they're not going to make it. Watch this in Genesis 11. It says, they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans. Where were they going? They were going to the land of Canaan. They know where they're going. They've got high expectations. But then we read, when they came to Haran, they what? They settled there. Now from the moment that he settles until the end of his life, we read nothing more about this man. All we read after this moment he settles is this. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. This is a little bit heavy, but this is true. He died in the place he settled. Now this word Haran, uh, it's an interesting word. It means parched or thirsty. And as I thought about that, I thought, what an interesting picture. That we can still be thirsty, but settle. Like you can show up to church and still settle. You can want God to do something in your life, but still settle. Uh, maybe this is a word for someone here today. This, is, this message is going to be important because I want to tell you, I want to talk about not settling. I want to preach a message today on this topic. Don't settle. And it's a word we need to hear because how many know maybe you're in a place where you settled a long time ago or maybe today you're just thinking about settling for the place you're at when God's called you to more. Maybe you're thinking about settling because the road that you're on seems longer than, than you thought it would be. It's taking longer To get to the place God called you than you thought it was going to take you. And so maybe you feel like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to settle here because the road's longer. How many know sometimes you just look around and it feels like other people's road is so much easier? Right? Oh man, it's so much easier for them to know God. You look up and down your row in worship and you see hands raised and you see hearts just, they're just, they're, they're just shouting. Come on. You, 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 you just look down your row and you think, they got it together. It was easy for them to get their dream job. It was easy for them to find a spouse. It was easy for them to get pregnant and have kids. Come on, somebody, this is a faith series. I want to I just, I've told this story so many times, but I got to say it again. We were told for six years we were never going to have kids. Come on, somebody. That's why the, the middle name of our oldest child is Miracle. We serve a God who does miracles. And if you've been through the months of tears and you've been through the years of tears, I'm standing here before you today. We serve a God who can still show up and work a miracle in your life. And we're joining our faith together in this series because maybe you feel like you've settled and your faith is stuck. Come on, there's still a vision of where God's called us to be. 
He's called us to Canaan, but we've settled perhaps in Haran. And here's some good news if that's where you find yourself today. I did not come to preach heaviness to you. No, I came to help you get back up. And so we need a little bit of good news. And what is it? Here's, here's what we find in Genesis chapter 12. The journey's not over. God shows up again and speaks the same word that God had given to Abram's father. He speaks again to Abram. He says, Abram, go. Go from your country, from your kindred, your father's house. Verse 5 says, And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all the possessions that they had gathered and the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Watch this. God shows up in the place they'd settled. There's someone here today, and you're thinking, man, I, I once had a vision from God. I used to dream. I used to feel like I knew where I was going. But for whatever reason, discouragement, doubt, fear, it does feel like I've settled. I came with some good news for you today. God has circled back around to remind you of something he once called you to. Come on, we serve a God that does not call you once and then leave you behind once you settle. He will circle back to your heart. He said, I'm not done with you. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to let you just settle and die there. Come on, somebody. No, I'm going to loop back and I'm going to speak it again. The vision I gave you before is a good vision. You just need to let some fire come to it. Come on, somebody. Anybody glad we serve a God who doubles back and speaks the same thing again? So what I want to do is I want to talk about four realities of not settling in your faith. Four realities of not settling. Two of these are going to be challenging, and that's going to be the moments where you're like not really saying, amen, pastor, preach it. You're going to just be like, whoa, wasn't ready for that. Two of them are really good. Those are the moments where I want to let you know it's okay to call me on this morning. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be life-giving. Don't forget you're a part of this thing. Be loud. Be engaged. Here's number one. This is one of the challenging ones. Not settling is risky. If you're going to not settle, it's going to be a little bit risky. Here's what God said to Abram. Abram, I want you to go, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. In other words, Abram, your feet are going to have to start moving before I'm going to articulate the path that you need to be walking on. It's a little bit risky to step out, and God's saying, I'm not going to tell you everything about this journey, but you are going to have to get up and start going. Not settling is risky. Maybe for you coming to church today was risky. Right? Someone invited you to church and you showed up and you walked in the doors and you didn't know where to walk. You were the one having to read the sign, but everybody else seemed to know where to go. They knew whether the coffee was free or not. You showed up, you're like, do I tip? Do I leave a buck? I don't know. Like, need another sign. Come on, you come in here and, and, and stepping into this room was risky. They didn't tell you you were going to have to sing for 23 and a half minutes when you came to church. They just said, come to church. You assumed you were going to sit in a chair, but there's karaoke to start. It's literally a third of the service. You're, I didn't know. That's why we turn the lights down and we turn the music up loud so that, you know, you wouldn't feel like you could hear your own voice. Nothing worse than being, I don't know, for me, that's just like, I like loud music as it is. But then again, there's this other reason, which is I just don't really want to hear my own voice. That freaks me out. Because you're like, we do a new song and you're like, I don't know the song. And you're just kind of mumbling through the words. But, you know, no one told you. It was risky to show up to church today. Maybe for you, the risk isn't showing to church. You've been coming to church for a while, but the risk would be to take that next step of finding a small group. Oh, my goodness. Small group? Are you kidding me? I thought church was an hour on Sunday. 
and that I had done my part. Come on, somebody. But then God's starting to like pull on your heart a little bit. Like there's more for you. Like there's just like a journey. And, and I, I was talking to someone. I was preaching last week at this church in, in uh, where were we? St. Augustine, Florida. It's great. It's great church. I had this whole huge point in the message about, I was talking about relationships and I was talking about two of the things that stand between us and the right relationships and one was busyness and I don't remember what the other one was because that point wasn't really as good, but busyness was a big one. <laughs> and I was just I'm like, yeah, you know, you're just saying you're in a busy season and it's really difficult and, and busyness, like I said, busyness is always our excuse for not doing the things that God says that we should do with our lives. We just say, hey, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. So I go out in the lobby after the service and I'm talking to this girl and she's sharing some real life challenges that are going on in her life. And I said, hey, do you have a small group? And she said, no, I'm busy. And I'm like, did you hear the message? Like, were you in the service? And so what's amazing was I told both the second and the third services about that girl. And then I told them, I'm like, listen, if, you've, <laughs> if you're going to tell me something in the lobby, I'm not going to use your name, but I'm going to tell your story. Okay, just like you need to know. I'm busy. No, we're busy. And so maybe for you, it's like small groups. That's risky. It's risky because I can handle getting to know you a little bit in the lobby on a Sunday. But if we're going to go a bit deeper than that, come on, it's risky that you might know enough about me that, that maybe you could know enough that it feels like I feel a little bit exposed or a little bit vulnerable in that relationship. Come on, maybe for you, small groups is the risky part. Maybe for you, it's risky to pray again. Because you prayed big prayers and people knew what you were praying for and God didn't come through the way you were believing and asking and so it seems easier now to just believe for small things rather than to believe God's word that he who began a good work in you is going to be faithful to bring it to completion. Come on, that he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead if you're a follower of Jesus is alive in you. I didn't say like some smaller portion of that spirit. No, that same spirit. Come on, church. Come on, faith-filled people. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you today. So are we going to take a risk? Are we going to step out? Number one, reality of not settling is that it's risky. It's risky to step out back into a vision that you let die a long time ago. But today God is saying, I can come and restore that thing to life. Here's, here's reality number two of not settling. The first one was a bit of a, a, bit of a challenge. It's going to be risky. Here's one that's encouraging. Not settling is exciting. It's, just, it's better. Not settling is exciting. Here's what God says to Abram. Abram. I'm going to make you a great nation. When God is trying to get Abram's feet moving back in the direction after he's settled, he challenges him, but he doesn't just challenge him. He also speaks to greatness. God is so good at casting a compelling vision. I've not just called you to go to a different city. I've called you to a life of greatness. You know what I mean? You need to know that. You need to know that when we're standing up here on this platform and calling out the next level in your life, it's not just so that you can go to a different city that looks a little bit different. It's not just so that we can build a bigger church that have a few more people in it. It's not just so that we can have a better lean-in and worship. Come on, you need to know it's that God's called you to greatness. Not my words, His. 
God's got more for you. We need to understand that, that if we're not going to settle, one of the realities of that is it's going to be exciting. Could you open up your heart today to a little bit of future excitement? You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're in the struggle, it just feels like it's never going to be soaring again. Honestly, Rachel and I have these moments. You need to know this. I think we have, the, I think we have one of the funnest, most exciting lives you could ever have. We have three incredible miracle babies. We have a great church that we love to be a part of. You need to know from time to time we sit on the couch and we say, is it ever going to be good again? And in those moments, you've got to open up your heart and believe, no, your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, you need to know we're not just going to a different city. We're going on and on to greatness. God's called you to greatness. And I know there's a part of you that pushes back and you're like, that's for somebody else, but it's, it's not for me. And, and that seems like, you know, just like happy preaching. Well, I've got another challenge for you. Number one is it's risky. Number two is exciting. But number three, not settling is a whole bunch of responsibility. Here's what God says to Abram. Abram, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great so that you will have a blessing, so that you will own a blessing, so that you will be a blessing. Hmm. Abram, I want to make your life great, but it's, it's not just for you. We want the excitement of not settling, but sometimes we don't really want the responsibility of not settling. God's called you to greatness. God's called you to influence, but it's not for us. There are seats next to you. Uh, This is going to help somebody out here today. Sometimes it's hard to believe for yourself, and the defibrillator for your faith is not going to be believing for your own miracle. It's going to be believing for somebody else's. I mean, seriously, there are times where it's hard to believe for yourself. There are times it's hard for me to believe for myself. And then I think of you and I'm like, no, I can press on. I can have faith. I can have faith for somebody else today. And all of a sudden it becomes like fuel for my own faith for myself. Sometimes God starts us out believing in faith for somebody else because we couldn't believe he'd do it in us, but we believe he could do it in somebody else. And all of a sudden it's like it starts to just become a snowball that builds on itself that we get to, come on, you believing for somebody else might be the journey to you believing for you. Not settling is a whole bunch of responsibility. God even, God even illustrates this in the name change he has for Abram. Because Abram means exalted father. Uh, the picture of exalted father for me is like, I get to be great. Exalted father, great. I'm, people are going to look at me and they're going to say, way to go, dad. Exalted father. God changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many. You notice the shift, right? It's from me being exalted to me being about many. Not settling is risky and a whole lot of excitement, but it's responsibility. And this is why we run Next Steps every single month. Why? Not because we need more people on our dream team. We always do. We're growing church. That's not why we run it. We run it so you can discover your purpose and have a path to making a difference for somebody else. Why? Because it will change your life. Not settling is responsibility. But there's nothing better. Here's the final one. This is another encouraging one. 
Number four, not settling brings greater influence. Not settling brings greater influence. God says to Abram, all the peoples on the earth are going to be blessed through you. God, who do you want to bless? Through my life? Everybody on earth. Okay. Well, it would seem like I would need to have a lot of talent to do that. Because if I'm going to be a blessing to everybody, then I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to be great. You know what I love about Abram's story? Is that Abram is not great because he fills stadiums preaching. Abram's not great because he runs leadership seminars all across the Middle East. What's Abraham known primarily for? Being a father. When it's all said and done, the success of Resonate Church will not be the size it is when my life is over. It's going to be the sons and daughters that I got to build. It'll be the sons. Listen, your, your ministry calling, the success of your ministry calling is not going to be the size of your ministry team. It's going to be the, the hearts of the sons and daughters that you raise. Because we can build a great church that will last for a generation, or we can raise sons and daughters that raise sons and daughters that raise sons and daughters that raise sons and daughters. You say, God, how could you use me to influence the world? It will not be the platforms. I'm thankful for platforms. It's great. Easter's coming. We're like eight weeks away. How amazing and scary is that dream team that we're eight weeks away from having a service at the casino? It's kind of scary. It's coming quick. Um, platforms is not our greatest influence. Sons and daughters are our greatest influence. Come on, sons. And, and I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, you're like, I'm like 15. You know, I'm not, I mean like, I mean your spiritual influence. When we started Resonate Church, I feel like God, I feel like God did the same sort of thing with Abram where it was like, just start your feet moving. I'm going to show you some things. Now to the place where when I think about what God's called us to, it really does seem like Canaan and there's a lot of days we want to stop in Haran. Really. You ever feel that way? Like settling would just be easier. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, Pastor, I settled a long time ago. I came today for you. God's not done with you. He didn't even change the assignment. Maybe you're here today and you've been feeling like settling. You've been feeling like settling in an area of integrity in your life. You've been feeling like settling for less than the dream God's put in your heart. You've been feeling like settling in your faith. You feel like just pulling back a little bit. God says, no, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Don't stop in the place where you're thirsty but not willing to get after it. So God, I pray for your house today. I thank you, Lord, for this room. I thank you that we are not here for us. We're here for you and we're here for the people that you've called us to reach. And God, 
birth something in our hearts today that's bigger than us. God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Speak again. Build faith again. Raise us up again. Restore our eyesight to believe that it's possible again. Not so we can be great, so that we can so that we can build sons and daughters. In Jesus' name.